Okay, let's put our hands together. Wow. I'm going to say it backwards. Wow. That's an awesome ministry, Watoto. Please, if you can be here. We were in Uganda just a few weeks ago touring the village where we have been sponsoring uh, widows and orphans for two decades. The light is burning bright in Uganda. Come and join in that wonderful evening. And I'm glad that you're here today because it's just nicer when you show up. Nudge your neighbor, say he's talking about you. We're kicking off a series of messages, and you're here for the launch. Thank you very much. The series is taken out of the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible. And we're going to look at seven letters that were written to the church. Sometimes when people read the book of Revelation, some people don't read it. Just because it's got like metaphors and symbols and word pictures and just always remember that the book is called the revelation of Jesus Christ so keep your focus on Jesus when you read the book did you know that there is a blessing promised for just reading it's one of the few books in the Bible that says if you read this you will be blessed and always keep this in mind there's a conflict between light and dark That's what the book is about. There's a conflict between good and evil, and I've got good news for you. In the end, good wins. (laughs) Light overcomes darkness. Christ overcomes all. So read the book. But in the early part of the book, Jesus writes seven letters to seven different churches. And as we read them, God can speak to us individually in our lives and speak to us as a community of faith. We pray he will do that. Today we're talking about something very important. Keep love alive, which is very appropriate on your 24th wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary to you, as I just see you. Because you've got to nurture love. Love is like a fire. If you don't fuel it, it dies out and grows cold. And so as Jesus writes to this church in Ephesus, which starts in chapter 2 of Revelation, Ephesus was a large church. Scholars tell us 10,000, 20,000, maybe more than 30,000 people were part of this church. And he writes to them and says, I've got some news for you that is true for all churches. First thing I want you just to notice is that Jesus is in the midst of his church. Jesus is with his church. The word picture is each church is like a lamp stand. Why? Because a church is supposed to be a place of light. A church is supposed to be a place of warmth. And in verse 1, Jesus says, I am in the midst of the church. That's true today. Let me just tell you, if you don't know, Jesus is in the house. Jesus is here. He's like right here because we are one of those lampstands that's on the planet right now. And he is watching the way we live our lives. And he says this, I, am, I, I know all the things you're doing. Look at it right there. I hope that doesn't scare you. <laughs> Jesus knows your life. I know all the things you're doing. Now, God is a good father, and as a good father, he's not looking to catch you doing something wrong. He actually says, as I look at all of the things you're doing, 
you're doing a lot of things well. And he mentions five things. They're underlined. If your study guide is there, you'll have it. There's five things. He just says, hey, you guys are really doing this well. First of all, he says, you are working hard. How many know very little happens without hard work? <laughs> you can't build a great church. You can't build a great community. You can't build a great country without hard work. The work you do today are the seeds that you're planting in the soil that will bring you the harvest of success tomorrow. And she says, hey, that's doing good. You guys are hard workers. He then says you are very patient in your endurance, which means when things got tough, they didn't give up. They were patient so they didn't blow up. They stepped up. They didn't give up. They didn't blow up. They stepped up. They just kept walking by faith in the midst of tough times. If your life is in the midst of tough times, don't give up. Don't lose your patience and blow up. Step up. Keep walking by faith. And he compliments them and says, you keep showing up. You keep enduring patiently. He says, you are the kind of people who resist and will not tolerate evil. That's good. The city of Ephesus, like all communities, had this battle between light and darkness. One of the things that Ephesus was famous for was making legal, socially acceptable, and even spiritually profitable human trafficking. They had a temple in Ephesus built to an idolatrous god and the way of worshiping that idolatrous God was through temple prostitutes. So they had taken human trafficking and made it socially acceptable and even spiritually palatable. And the church said, that's not right. Which we should be saying today. Human trafficking isn't right. Human slavery isn't right. God creates each person with the image of God with the ability to know God and become a child of God. And so we need to stand against evil in this generation, just like that church stood against evil in its generation. And he compliments them. He says, that's great. He said, you are seekers of truth. You weigh things out. When people speak to you and they say that they're apostles, you just listen to their words and make sure they're true. And if they're not true, he says, you call them liars. That's pretty strong language. But they wanted to know the truth. I hope there are some truth seekers here today. They just don't listen and, and, and just don't buy everything I say hook, line, and sinker. I hope you check me out. Make sure what I'm saying lines up with, with what he's already said because it's the truth that sets you free. Lies will lead you farther away from God. Truth will lead you towards God. And they were truth seekers. He compliments them for that. And then he just says, I love this about you. You just never give up. I like that. You've heard me say here, uh, if you're around very long, that we should never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, 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 never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, 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 ever, never, never give up. I, and he, I get that from Jesus. Look what he says. He says, you patiently suffer for me without quitting. You weren't meant to go under. 
You are meant to go over. You are more than a conqueror through him who is your defender. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're not going to give up because you're on the winning side. Compliments him that. He just says, that really impresses me. And he says, these five things you're doing so well, I know what you do. Then he says, but we've got something we need to talk about. I want to talk about your love life. I have this issue. Because get, get this, friends. You can have everything else right, but if your love life is wrong, everything's off. I'm going to say it again. You can have everything else right, but if your love life, your connection, your love with God and your love with his people is off, working hard doesn't matter. Resisting evil doesn't matter. Being right all the time, being a truth seeker, if it's not nurtured in an atmosphere of love, then it's not right. You can be an, not a quitter, but if you're not motivated by love, you've got, you're doing the right thing but for the wrong motivation. And so he comes right to the heart of their motivation. And as a church, we need to look at the motivation of our lives. And he, hear, he says, I've got this one complaint. I've got this one thing against you. This issue that I want to talk to you about, he says in verse 4, but this complaint I have against you, you don't love me or you don't love each other like you did at the first. You've lost your first love. That's true spiritually. You know, there's spiritual first love. Maybe it's a little easier if we talk about the first love of humanity. Life coaches and, and, and psychologists tell us there's, there's three major stages to love. Do you know them? There's attraction. I, I had that happen to me. When, when I was in college and I saw sweet Darla Joy, and I went, wow. And then I said it backwards, wow. That, that attraction, that, that just, there's something about that person that is attractive. Now, I had to work on her for two years. That's my patient endurance and never giving up. I had to get her off of dating boys and get her in touch with a real man. I had to work on that a little bit, but mm, yeah, mm, come on. I had to work. Attraction. Attraction moves into infatuation. Remember this stage? This is when you can think of little else. You wake up every morning thinking about them. You think about them all day long. You're texting. You're wondering what they're doing. You go to bed at night. You're thinking about them. Even when you're in the middle of the night, you're dreaming about them. They're they're, it's infatuation. It's, it's like um, uh, they call it the honeymoon stage of a relationship. And experts say it, it varies in the length of time. Some say three months. Some say six months. Some say 12 months. But eventually, a relationship moves to attachment. That's not wrong. Some people that think infatuation is the essence of love keep moving through multiple relationships because that's what they want. But that's not love. Love is attachment, which is commitment. It's the cuddle stage. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's close in prayer. Okay, that's physical. Spiritual. The moment that you fall in love with God, the moment you realize that God loves you more than anything in the world, that he gave his only son to have you in his family, 
the moment that you became alive to the fact that he chose you out of all the world, he chose you to be his beloved daughter, his beloved son, and you thought about him all the time. You were in his house all the time. You were sitting at the front. Because you thought it was like a sporting event and there were 50-yard seats still available. You, You carried your Bible to church and you didn't have like a Bible, so you brought the family Bible. You said amen when the preacher was preaching. Okay. And this church had that. And, and though they were working hard, and though they were patiently enduring, and though they were resisting evil, and though they were delving for truth, and though they were, they were never giving up, they had drifted in their first love. And we all should look at our heart. We all should ask ourselves the question today, has that happened to me? We should look as a a community of faith, has that happened to us? Because Jesus says, I want to call you back to keep love alive. Because when love is alive, everything else matters. Everything else works. The hard work works. The resisting evil works. The seeking for truth works if it's all based in keeping love alive. And so he calls that church in Ephesus, and he calls me, and he calls you, and he calls all of us to keep love alive by taking these steps. Number one, he says, I want you to recognize where you are. I want you to recognize where you are. He says it that we should look at how far we have fallen we have to do an analysis because you can't, listen, you can't get to where you need to be unless you know where you are. I'm going to try saying that again. Just listen carefully. You can't get to where you need to be unless you know where you are. For, not, not too long ago, uh, Darla and I were in another city. We were separated from each other. Uh, she was driving to meet me. And she called me on the phone and said, uh, can you please tell me how to get to where you are? I said, sure I can. Tell me where you are. And she said, I'm by Publix. <laughs> I said, a street name, a street no- Nope, I'm by Publix. I said, I'm sorry, sweetie, I can't help you. Because there's a lot of Publix and I don't even know where they are in this city. Because you can't get to where you need to be until you know where you are. Do you remember when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son? He needed to have a moment of awareness. The Bible says a moment that he came to his senses when he was in a pig pen and said, look at where I am. You've got you, you to do that. You've got to look at where you are and know this. As he was in the pig pen, he said, I was born for something better. And when you've fallen from your first love, I'm just here to remind you, you were born for something better. So know where you are. How many of you have a a phone? Do you know your phone knows where you are? Which is frightening. Watch. Siri, where am I? My phone knows where I am. 
To know where I am, uh, if you have a cell phone or a sat phone, it takes three satellites to know where you are. Uh, if you have a phone like this, three different towers need to triangulate your location. It takes three things to kind of figure out where you are. Let me just give you three things that will help you to figure out where you are. Number one, of course, God's written letter to all of us. God's written word. James says the Bible is like a mirror. We look at it and we can see ourselves. And we can see what needs to change. The written word of God, even the verses we're reading today, as we read them, they can be a mirror to us to say, you know what? Maybe I have lost some of that first love, that enthusiasm, that joy. Maybe I have lost some of that. The written word of God helps us to know where we are. The spoken word of God. We had a series we've just done in January about listening to the voice, that inner voice. The still small voice, the Bible calls it, that whisper of the spirit, that conscience that's inside of all of us where God speaks to us and says, you're not where you should be and you were born for better. Spoken word of God. The third thing to triangulate would be a, a, a godly person, a trusted friend, a spiritual leader who can say, you know what? I see in your life that you used to be in love, and now it just looks like you're going through the motions. So the written word, the spoken word, and a good godly friend or counselor can help you to figure out where you are. And the moment you see where you are, he says, once you know that, once you see how far you've fallen, immediately move to step two, which is to turn back to God. Right? That's what he says. I want you to turn back to me. It's called repentance. The Greek word is metanoia. It means to change to change the window that you're looking at life through, to change the way you're thinking. How many of you have a house, a home, an apartment that has windows? If you don't, you may be incarcerated. <laughs> and you can choose, watch, you can choose what window to look out of. You can look out the back, into the backyard where the dog poop is <laughs> at my house because I am a dog lover and that's where she goes. All, all good godly people love dogs. <laughs> I'm not going to go after cats, but I'm just going to tell you. Every, cats do it in the house. I'm not going to go there. I'm just, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to get distracted. You can make a choice. You can choose, watch this, to stop looking into the backyard, turn, that's what, re, that, to turn, that's what metanoia is, to turn and look out the front window. It's a different view. You're still in the same house, but you've changed your perspective. Instead of looking at the things that are taking you farther away from God, the things that are drawing you away, you start turning back to God. That's what repentance is. You turn back to God, and God is waiting for you to do that. And the moment you do that, the moment you stop looking at the dog, that's a metaphor. Are you getting that at all? Are you getting that metaphor? It's a metaphor. It's like deep teaching right there. I'm just telling you, because that's, that's what's about there. That's what's taking you farther away from God. It's, don't say. But it's there. 
and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, that is, I'm going to turn towards God. And the moment you do that, the moment you take one step towards God, the moment you do that, God comes running to you. He's just waiting. Jesus is saying, I see your heart has, has kind of drifted. I see you've lost that first love. I want you to turn back to me. And when you turn back to him, you're going to find his arms wide open and his heart wide open. And he's running full tilt towards you. You may get blown over by the impact. You may get blown over. Do you remember when Jesus told the story of the prodigal who had that awakening in the pig pen? He starts his journey home. As soon as he crests the hill, as soon as the father sees him, he is running. That's the picture of the heart of God. The moment in a service like this that you say, God, I'm going to stop looking at life this way because it's hurting me and it's taking me farther away from God. I'm turning towards you. He comes running towards you to embrace you and to say, welcome home. So first he says you got to know where you are. Look how far you've fallen, which is an interesting term. It has deep biblical significance, going back to the first angel who fell from heaven and who's been causing people to fall ever since. He says, don't keep following that, that spirit, that fallen spirit. He says, no, turn your attention back to me. I'm going to come running towards you. And then he says, I'm going to ask you to take some action, which is really interesting. I'm going to ask you to, st I'm going to, ask you to start acting on your love they're, they're trying to recapture uh, first love. But you don't feel your way back to first love. You faith your way back to first love. When you don't feel like coming to church, you show up anyway. I'm going to try it one again. We need to say it loud enough to, to get the people that aren't here that should be here. When you don't feel like coming to church, you come anyway. Watch what he says, watch what he says, watch what he says. He says, you need to do the works. You need to take some action that you did at the first. So let's, let's, let's bring it down to physical to help us to understand the spiritual. At the first part of the relationship, there were certain things you did. And if you want to rekindle, because even though you move, get this, even though you move into the attachment stage, there's got to be some moments that you return to first love to get that breath of enthusiasm, to restoke the fire, to make sure the passion is still there. There should have been a few more amens than that. We just went through February the 14th. Come on, people. I, I, that's what that's about. It's about, okay, I'm going to get a card. To restoke. It's, you have to. You have to do it physically and you've got to do it spiritually. You've got to restoke, renew, revive, revitalize, recalibrate, retread. Just keep, keep the thing alive. So in a physical relationship, you go back and go, what did I used to do? Hmm, oh, I used to open the door for her. So I'm going to walk around. I'm going to open the door. I thought I'd get some amens. I don't know what's good. Maybe I'm stepping on toes. I don't know. but I... You get flowers when it's not February the 14th. You compliment. 
Do you remember when you used to see your beloved and they always look good? No matter what they were wearing. I tried it out this morning because I preached this last night and I preached myself under conviction. So I came out into the kitchen and there is my sweet Darla Joy. Just rolled out of bed. I just said, sweetie, you look so beautiful. She said, in this? I said, yes. So beautiful. She said, maybe I should wear it to church. I said, yes. You'll be the talk of the town if you wear that to church. So physically, we circle around and we go, what? Now, get this. Because we have to redefine what love is. Love is not just that emotional feeling. Love is sacrificial commitment. It's sacrificial commitment. And what he's saying is, you don't wait until you got the feeling. You do what you need to do, and then the feelings arise. You'll be amazed. If you compliment your spouse every day and tell them how good, how good they're looking, you'll be amazed how, how good they start looking. People, people will rise to what you declare over them. Oh, someone get that one. People will rise up. They'll go, wow. Do the things you used to do because love is commitment. Spiritually, love is commitment. Physically, Darla and I have been married almost 35 years. I am very committed. I am, I, I am so married that I wear two wedding rings. First 25 years, signed up for another 25 years, and when I get to 50, she's putting a ring in my nose. For the last 25 years. Now, friends, let me, there are days, there are moments that I feel more married than others. Not an amen in the house, but you guys, you guys look, really? But that doesn't mean I'm not married. I'm married because I stood at an altar and I made promises and I made vows and I made a commitment. I'm married. I'm a pastor. There are moments that I feel more saved than others, but I'm still saved because Jesus made a commitment to me on the cross. He committed himself to me, and I stood at an altar, and I made a commitment back to him. I'm saved no matter what because it's a committed relationship, and when my love diminishes, when my love, when I just go, I'm in that attachment state, and I need to put a log on the fire, I've got to come back, and I've got to do the things I used to do. Remember when you loved Jesus so much you were always in his house? Remember when you loved Jesus so much that you wore out the eight-track player? I'm reaching, I know I'm reaching, but I, I, I'm reaching for some of those people that Andre crouches all you could play on that A-track. That's all you had. And you played them over and over and over and over. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Keith Green. Everybody should download Keith. This is just for my younger friends. You should download Keith Green music. You want to get convicted? Oh, my Lord in heaven. You cry. Driving down the car, you're just, you and Jesus in the car and Keith Green. 
and you are crying because you and Jesus and Keith Green are in the car. You can't wait to get to his house. You go, it's Tuesday. There's not church till Wednesday. I can't wait. He says, do the things you used to do to revive that first love. Because as you do those things, it brings you back so that you can burn brightly and you can burn warmly. Because the last thing I'm just going to talk about is that you need to keep, just keep blessing others because the, the essence of the church that Jesus wants to stand in the middle of is that it's a lampstand and it's burning bright, it's light and it's warm. And he says, if you don't repent, if you keep looking at, out the backyard at that stuff that's drawing you farther away from God, and if you will not turn towards me, if you will not have that revitalization, that recalibration, that renewal of that, that dynamic joy that you had, if you don't work on that, eventually what's going to happen? He says it in very bold language. He says, I'm going to come and remove your lampstand. Why would you do that? You'd remove a lampstand if the fire had gone out. Because it's no longer serving its purpose. He's saying, that, he's saying that you can get to the place where you're working hard, you're seeking truth, got good doctrine, you're standing up for social justice, you're resisting evil, you're not giving up, but you're not motivated by love. And you can have church on the name of the building, but no fire in the building. You can put a cross on your building, but Jesus isn't. He says, you've gone out. And just in our generation, we want to be a community of faith whose fire is burning bright. Whose influence, you heard Holly say it earlier, if you're influencing the community, we're praying, we, that's what we want to be about. Where our fire is burning bright and Jesus is standing in the midst and he's watching what we're doing. He's watching us work hard. He's watching us stand up against evil. He's watching us patiently endure. He's watching us overcome. But he's watching us do it all with that first love passion that changes the world. I met an interesting guy this week uh, who was from Denver, Colorado. Uh, Denver has a large homeless population, and uh, they would be a street lined with just young people. And, and his heart just said, what, what can I do? What can I do to, to help them? That's all he asked. And he noticed that because a lot of them were traveling, they, they weren't taking good care of their feet. And so he just started coming and giving them socks. That was his idea. Just, he just gave them socks. So it took them a little while like to trust him, because he's an older guy. They wanted to make sure he wasn't creeping. This old man that would come with socks, like, what's your, what's your agenda? Like, a little dis... Whoa, whoa, no, I have no agenda. Just here's a pair of socks. He knew he had a breakthrough when they gave him the street name. He came home, he said, honey, they gave me a street name. They call me Socks. I'm not a creeping old man. I'm, I'm Socks. And he'd come down the hall, hey, Socks! Now it's, now it's grown. He's got a location now. They call it Socks Place. They serve 80, 90, 100 people a day. Doing what? Standing and burning with light. With warmth. And we can't do that 
without recognizing Jesus is in the house. We come into this place to renew our love. So when you don't feel like singing, what do you do? You say the words are hard, you sing. You don't, if you can't sing well, sing. Because as you do it, you start to feel it. When you're laying at home and you go, you know what, I've had a tough week. I'll just watch online. I, I don't know if Jesus is with that online church. <laughs> but I do know he's here. Because when we come together, Jesus looks at us and says, you're the bride of Christ. When you get together, when you get together, you're the body of Christ. All the members together, you're the body of Christ. When you get together, you're the family of God. And I want to stand in the midst of those candlesticks. And I want to see them burn brightly. So just guard your heart. Just between you and God, just say, where is my heart? Have I lost some or all of that first love? Have I fallen? Do I need to stop looking through the window of, of cynicism and negativity and criticism? And do I need to turn and just start looking through the window of grace and love and peace? You can tell you're looking through the right window when you're getting closer to God all the time in your heart. And are you willing to do the things you used to do? And I pray that fire will keep alive in your heart and in your life so that you will burn brightly and you will keep love alive to the glory of God, we pray. And everybody says, amen. Grace and peace. Let's, let's stand together. Let's close our eyes. Let's open our hearts wide to the presence and the power of God. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come and stand with me, please, and just prepare to minister to people. And Let's see some miracles here today in this moment of prayer. First thing I'm going to do is just lead in a prayer. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many steps you feel you've taken away from God. It only takes one step to come home. It's called the step of faith. It's the moment that you turn. How hard would it be for you to turn? Not, not that hard. That's how easy it is. The moment that you turn towards God, he comes running towards you. And this is a prayer of opening our hearts and our lives to Jesus. For the first time, for the first time in a long time, or for the millionth time, just say, Jesus, you are in our hearts, in our lives, in our souls. And so I'm going to lead in a prayer, and uh, I'm going to ask everyone to just to pray it with me, not just from your head, but from your heart. And just talk to God with this kind of language. Uh, just say, uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I open my heart, my soul, and my life to Jesus. Come in and be my Savior. Come in and be my Lord. I turn from my sins. And I turn towards you to receive your forgiveness, your love, your grace, your mercy. 
thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Now fill me with your love so that I can love you more and I can love others. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says hallelujah, 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 amen. That's a good prayer. We can affirm that. It's a good prayer. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time or for the first time in a long time, it's so important that you tell somebody before you leave. You come and talk to one of our prayer partners and say, hey, I just prayed with Scott. That kind of prayer for the first time or for the first time in a long time. And they'll affirm the prayer with you. Confirm what the Spirit of God is doing in you. You can also text, just so we can start a dialogue to help you. You can text the word yes, if you're saying yes to God, to 941-260-1321. And just, we'll start a dialogue. We just want to help you. We're here for you. In the next few moments, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray a blessing. I want to bless you before you go. The prayer team is here to pray for every need and any need that's here. Physical, spiritual, emotional, provisional. We believe there are miracles in the house just waiting to be delivered. All we have to do is ask for them with the prayer of agreement. And they're going to pray the prayer of agreement with you. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to be flowing. Healings, miracles are going to be happening. And you can come and we'll pray for you. You don't have to be a member of this church to receive prayer. Just walk up and just say, hey, pray for me. Pray with me. Also on the left-hand side and the right-hand side, there's a communion station. And you're welcome to come and remember Jesus today by taking the bread and from the cup. Remember that Jesus died on the cross for you, took away all your sin, all your shame. Remember that he fought the battle we were singing. He fought the battle for you so that you can be victorious. Remember that he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead so he could hang out with us in this church and be the best friend we've ever had. You can remember him and celebrate that presence. If you've been a guest here today, and I've met a number of guests, thanks so much for coming. You're, you're so welcome. We believe that God has begun a good work in you, and he's going to be faithful to complete it. If you're a guest, please, before you go, stop by the VIP room because you are a VIP. Just nothing weird happens in that room. We'll give you some gifts, answer any questions you have. You just stop by there. We'd like to meet you. I'm going to pray this blessing after this. There's no other benediction. You can come for prayer. You can receive communion. The worship team will worship. Maybe you need to stay in worship. Maybe you need to pray before you go. Just say, Lord, where am I? Where is my heart? Did I used to have it? And now I've lost it? Oh, God, give it back to me. Lord, help me to do the things I need to do to recapture that enthusiasm, that love, and that just joy of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And you, you don't need an 8-track. You can download it. You can download on, you can get Keith Green, you can get him on your phone. He's still available. He's in heaven, but he's still singing. Oh, you got Keith Green, you need to get Keith. I'm just telling you. Everybody check him out. Check him out. Okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to open my hands towards heaven for this prayer. If you'd like to receive this blessing, please just join me. And close your eyes. Nobody needs to be embarrassed. Lord, these are your sons, and these are your daughters, and they're just reaching out to you. I just pray you would pour every blessing on their lives. I pray that every need that they have would be met, 
through a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. I pray that they would have their hearts renewed. Even in this moment of prayer, their heart would begin to just be renewed with faith and hope and love. I pray the Lord will bless you. The Lord will keep you. I pray that you will walk with the spirit of Jesus and and leak Jesus wherever you go and leak the love of God and have ideas for doing things that are influential and a blessing to others, things that manifest the, the love of God in our community. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. And I do bless you in the strong, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus. And in Jesus' name, you are very blessed. And everybody says, amen. Give the Lord just an ovation. Come forward, please, guys. Come forward for prayer, for communion. We love you so much. Keep walking with Jesus all week long. I'll be here teaching on Wednesday. We'd love to see you. God bless you.